what is community engagement? In the case of this regularly produced newsletter and podcast, the idea is for a third party not connected to the government to provide as much information as possible about what's happening. This publication carries that title in the same way that 19th century newspapers named themselves after the act of journalism. Think of the Inquirer, the Chronicle, the Times Picayune. I'm Sean Tubbs, endeavoring every day to provide you with Charlottesville Community Engagement. On today's edition, the Albemarle County Fire Department receives $7.1 million in funding to hire 30 firefighters. Charlottesville releases another notice of funding availability for affordable housing projects. The city is also looking to plant 160 trees in public right-of-way across Charlottesville. The Jefferson-Madison Regional Library wants your input on its next strategic plan. Funding that comes to help improve air quality will be used to help pay for the two regional trains that travel between Roanoke and D.C. And the Albemarle County Planning Commission discusses whether there should be more community crossroads as the comprehensive plan is updated. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, one Patreon supporter wants you to know that Charlottesville now has an e-bike lending library. E-bikes are a great way to get around the community, but there are many brands and styles to choose from. Because many e-bikes are sold online, it can be a challenge to try one before you buy it. The Charlottesville e-bike lending library is a free, not-for-profit service working to expand access to e-bikes in this area. They have a small collection of e-bikes that are lent out to community members for up to a week for free. You can experience your daily commute, go grocery shopping, or even bike your kids to school and decide whether e-bikes are right for you. Check out this service at ebikelibrarycivil.org. As Albemarle continues to prepare for growth, that includes the need to hire personnel to respond to emergencies no matter the cause. This morning, the county announced that the Federal Emergency Management Agency has awarded a $7.1 million grant to the county to hire two and a half dozen firefighters. The funding comes through the agency's Staff for Adequate and Emergency Response Grant Program, or SAFER. Fire Chief Dan Eggleston is quoted in a press release that's saying that with the support of the Board of Supervisors and other county leaders, this department is proactively identifying and addressing ways to deliver professional and consistent service to the people of Albemarle County. 14 of the 30 positions will eventually be used to guarantee around-the-clock service in the southern portion of the county. The rest will be used to staff a ladder truck that will be based at the Monticello Fire Station. Here's another section from the press release. This unit will be staffed with specially trained personnel to address more complex incidents that arise in our community, including water and technical rescues. Albemarle, as well as Charlottesville, have both previously used safer grants to augment their public safety ranks. Details to come on Information Charlottesville. One of the three main recommendations of the affordable housing plan adopted by the Charlottesville City Council in March of 2021 was to appropriate $10 million each year towards that purpose. There were also recommendations that Charlottesville establish clear, transparent, and competitive processes to award grants and loans for affordable housing, 
the city has separated all of the funding into four specific pools and has announced how much is available for the current fiscal year for three of them. This is officially known as a NOFA for Notice of Available Funding. The Housing Operations and Program Support Pool is funding that used to come through the city's vibrant communities process. The HOPS money is available for not-for-profit affordable housing-related organizations. The month-long application window opens on September 12th, and there is $575,000 available. The Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund can be used to directly support affordable housing projects or initiatives. The month-long window for this pool of funding opens on October 12th, and there is $835,000 available. Then there's direct funding from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development that flows through city decision makers. There is $410,468 available from the Community Development Block Grant and $112,248 available through the HOME program. This application window does not open up until January 8, 2024, and the money can be used for a variety of different purposes. The city's Office of Community Solutions manages the application process. Last year's NOFA also listed the category of Housing Development Project Investment, which was reserved for entities that apply for low-income housing tax credits from the entity formerly known as the Virginia Housing Development Authority. This year's NOFA does not, in part because previous years have lined up funding into the future. Alexander Ikafuna, the director of the Office of Community Solutions, said in an email to me that due to last year's request for information, they spoke with groups like Community Services Housing and the Piedmont Housing Alliances to get details on 10 distinct affordable housing projects. Ikafuna said that helped estimate a prospective total funding requirement of $33.4 million for the period between 2023 and 2028. Now, such decisions are ultimately adopted by the council each April when a budget is approved. The five-year capital improvement program adopted in the budget for fiscal year 24 sets aside the following. There is $3 million for public housing redevelopment in fiscal year 24, 25, and fiscal year 26. This funding can come in the short term from the sale of bonds. There is $1.5 million allocated to the Charlottesville Affordable Housing for each year of the five years in the budget. This anticipates the use of cash and not bond sales. The Charlottesville Supplemental Rental Assistance Program, administered by the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority, would receive $900,000 a year. This funding has been used in the recent past to enable CRHA to purchase properties such as 100 Harris Road back in June. There is $1.885 million in fiscal year 24 and $1.885 million in fiscal year 25 that would go to the Piedmont Housing Alliance for their redevelopment of the MACA site on Park Street. Council approved a rezoning for that project in January of 2022. The third phase of the recently renamed Kindlewood project being developed by the Piedmont Housing Alliance would get over $2 million in fiscal year 27 and over $1.1 million in fiscal year 28. The second phase is slated to receive $1.525 million in fiscal year 26. The other Park Street project being developed by Piedmont Housing Alliance at a church site will receive $1.125 million this year and the same amount in fiscal year 25. For more information, visit the press release on the city's website.
Do you have any idea for where the city of Charlottesville might plant a tree along a road or pathway? Last week, the Parks and Recreation Department sent out a notice that it expects to move forward with this action in November. The City of Charlottesville Parks and Recreation will be installing approximately 160 trees in public rights-of-way, local schools and parks, and city green spaces. Funding for this initiative comes from the city's Capital Improvement Program, which sets aside $100,000 each year for urban tree planting. The city also solicits donations on the Urban Forestry website. In an email to Charlottesville Community Engagement, urban forester Steve Gaines said climate change is being taken into account when selecting what species of trees to plant. He said, for example, that sugar maple is not being planted by the city anymore, as Albemarle County is at the very southern edge of its natural range. As things heat up, he no longer expects sugar maples to do well in this challenging environment. The Tree Commission has been discussing lists of trees that will withstand heat, as well as tree species that do better in urban environments. A list should be developed and ready for public consumption quite soon. If there are any specific requests of where to plant a tree, people are asked to contact the urban forester at 434-970-3587. This week, we'll hear more about Charlottesville's strategic plan, for which a framework will be reviewed and possibly adopted by City Council this evening. Such documents are used by government agencies to direct the work of employees. The Jefferson Madison Regional Library has started the process of updating their strategic plan for the next five years and are seeking responses to a survey. JMRL has branches in Albemarle, Charlottesville, Green, Louisa, and Nelson. In a release, Library Director David Plunkett said that the current strategic plan has led to many initiatives, such as the additional bookmobile service in Louisa and Nelson County, contactless pickup lockers at six branches, and a new website. The survey for the next strategic plan will be open through October. Drafts of his strategic plan should be ready for review in early 2024, with adoption anticipated next June. To inform your answers, take a look at the current strategic plan, which covers fiscal year 2019 through the end of this next fiscal year, next June 30th. Listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon Field shout-out. Architectural firm Design Develop wants you to know about a new service aimed at the development community that may not be widely known yet: 3D point cloud scanning. That's a technique that uses specialized equipment, such as 3D scanner systems, to gather a large amount of data points that represent the surface of the scanned object or scene. The applications of 3D point cloud scanning are extensive and cover various fields, including architecture, construction, cultural heritage preservation, virtual reality, industrial design, manufacturing, and more. These applications require accurate 3D spatial information, and Design Develop's workflow provides precise and comprehensive results, all while being more cost-effective than traditional methods. Design Develop has expertise in this workflow for their own needs, now, they have a dedicated team that offer this service in the Charlottesville and Albemarle area. If you're involved in the real estate, design, or construction industry, simply just interested, 
Feel free to contact them for more information and a free quote. You can visit their website for an introductory video that captures the 3D point cloud scanning of the downtown transit center, as well as a booklet that will explain more. Thank you to Design Develop and one of their people for this shout. Two more segments to go today. Since 1963, the U.S. Clean Air Act has provided funding for local and state governments to meet air quality requirements. One of those sources of funding is the Congestion Mitigation and Air Quality Program, known as CMAC. The Virginia Passenger Rail Authority is using $111 million in CMAC funds to help support four Amtrak trains that run through the Commonwealth. That includes the Northeast Regional, which runs between Roanoke and D.C. via Lynchburg and Charlottesville. The Charlottesville-Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization does not usually receive such funding through CMAC because air quality here is not as poor as in more urbanized areas. However, the region's MPO has to upgrade its transportation improvement plan to reflect the service that is being paid for with those funds by VPRA. Here is Sandy Shackelford, the Director of Planning and Transportation for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Planning Commission. That's the entity that runs the MPO. What they are doing right now is going through a series of requests to add the allocations for um, the CMAC funding just based on the service within each of the MPOs. That total would be just under $9.2 million in funding for fiscal year 24 through 27. The MPO Policy Board voted unanimously last month to approve the adjustment to the Transportation Improvement Plan. A second daily Northeast regional train began operations on July 11, 2022. On Wednesday, Albemarle County's Board of Supervisors will review work to date on AC44. That's the name given to the review of the comprehensive plan that's currently in its second of four phases. In this part of the exercise, staff are presenting a series of questions about ways that growth area boundaries might be adjusted to allow for more land to accommodate the county's potential need for additional land for housing and business uses. On August 8, 2023, the Albemarle Planning Commission had a work session on four toolkits, which are the way the county is describing these questions. I've written up two of those to date, and now's the third. This time around, the topic is rural crossroads communities, of which there are currently seven in Albemarle. They are Advance Mills, Batesville, Covesville, Free Union, Greenwood, Profit, and Whitehall. These crossroad communities are intended to provide support services such as country stores, doctor's offices, post offices, and community centers. Here's more from County Planner Tori Canalopoulos. They can provide businesses and services for surrounding community members and are intended to encourage adaptive reuse and historic preservation. They can potentially have community resilience hubs or places that can serve as both community gathering spaces and emergency response and preparedness locations. Canalopoulos said the current plan does not clearly define what makes up a crossroads community. In the AC44 process, staff has listened to Planning Commission feedback and further identified what services might mean. The service aspect of Crossroads communities would be focused primarily on health, well-being, safety, and emergency preparedness. Public water and sewer would not be expected in Crossroads communities. Two options are being considered, with the first being no changes. 
Kanalopoulos said under this approach, staff would engage with the seven current communities to identify any potential zoning updates that might be called for in the existing plan. Some of these areas already have underlying commercial and residential zoning. Staff recommends option two. Option two is to have a clear definition of crossroads communities and apply the definition during AC44 to have an updated list of communities. There would also be recommendations for the community resilience hubs and historic preservation of existing buildings. These hubs are of interest to the Virginia Department of Health and their wellness efforts, as well as of interest to the Department of Fire and Rescue. Additions to the list of crossroads communities could include Esmont, Scottsville, North Garden, and Earliesville. Commissioner Lonnie Murray said he was concerned about option two, in part because some of the suggested uses that would be allowed. Staff mentions hardware stores, auto, um, household goods, banking, restaurants. Um, this would be a pretty significant impact to the rural area. I mean, we do have some of these uses already, um, you know, in, in our existing crossroads communities, but I don't see a compelling need to change those. Murray said he was particularly concerned about the possibility of fuels leaking into the watershed. He also said that restaurants use a lot of water and more of them in the rural area would change its character. However, Murray said he could support small medical practices, as well as the use of crossroads communities for emergency management practices. But he said doing too much would undermine the purpose of the county's growth management strategy. As I've said in other conversations, the primary use of the rural area is not for residential use. So in providing services, you know, the past comprehensive plan says pretty explicitly that the way that we're, our primary method of controlling sprawl into the rural areas is by restricting services. Commissioner Corey Claiborne disagreed with Murray about the restriction of services. From an equity standpoint, from a climate action standpoint, it doesn't make sense not to have some basic services out there. If I want to open up a bakery out there in a coffee shop, I should be able to do that. That's okay. I think that supports the rural area. Commissioner Karen Firehawk agreed with Claiborne. A lot of people live in the rural area, and they're not all farmers. Families that want to have a home where they can afford to live, tradesmen, teachers, you know, firemen, a lot of these people, they live out in the rural area. Firehawk said more discussion is necessary about what each crossroads community might provide, especially in a world where more people work from home. She said the crossroads corner shops in North Garden is a model, even though that is not technically a designated crossroads community. They have a bank. They have a doctor's office. They have um, they have a pizza place. They had a dry uh, a laundromat for a while. They don't have that anymore. Um, there, there's the post office there. There's the fire station there. There are a number of small businesses operating there that are, you know, providing local jobs. So it, but it, it still remains relatively compact. It's not... And part of that is because, we, you know, we don't have the zoning around it to allow people to put more stuff. Commissioner Fred Missile said he could support concentrated development of crossroads communities such as North Garden. He added he was not as concerned as Commissioner Murray with auto-specific uses. Honestly, I've seen so much degradation to streams in rural areas caused by farming that it seems to me that there's more regulations on gas stations than there are on 
even arms in some cases. Commissioner Julian Bivens supported the concept of restoring areas that at one point had more vital economies, but stopped due to shifting economies and ways of life. These were places that at one point in our history as a community, life, people gathered, they went there, they, they did all of the things that communities did. Because our lives became what they became, those communities have gone small. Singling out Esmont, Bivens said renewed county investment in that area, such as the Keene Convenience Center and the Yancey School Community Center, could help reinvigorate that community. For me, I would love to be able to say, I'm going to Esmont and have a lunch out there. Mm. I'd love to be able to do that. I love on my way. I'd love to be able to sort of say that there are options, and this is no offense to those people who are going to. I'd like to have an option that was not wine, that was not winery based. Murray said he was concerned about unintended consequences that come when a rural attraction becomes too popular. There's also been a past history in the county of well-intentioned efforts to enable things we want and inadvertently creating loopholes that allow some to drive a Mack truck through. Murray said he was concerned about the scale and the possibility of a chain restaurant in the rural area that could come about by exploiting a loophole. Biven said he thought that was a very unlikely prospect. The discussion for each crossroad community will likely be different for each. Firehawk said some of the current areas are limited by size. Batesville is a great example, and that's in my district. That's right. Batesville, I will tell you, there's no more room to put any stuff in right. downtown Batesville but that store. That's it. And that's fine. And they like it, and it's great, and that's that. And it creates community. Right. Missile said that any discussion of additional uses at any of the Crossroads communities would need to be accompanied by a traffic study. He cited again the Crossroads corner shops in North Garden. That intersection of 29 and Plank is dangerous. Yes. So as we think about developing those areas, even you know concentrating those areas, we're going to be concentrating traffic and turning movements at intersections. And I think it just needs to be woven into this process. Commissioners seemed geared towards option two, with Murray a holdout on leaving things where they are. This will not be the last of this discussion, and the Board of Supervisors will have their thoughts on Wednesday. Still waiting to be summarized from the Planning Commission meeting is a discussion of allowing more development in interstate interchanges. I hope to get to that by the time the Board of Supervisors discusses it, so let's keep trying. now at the end of number 572, and I will continue to call this newsletter and podcast Charlottesville Community Engagement. But I do want people to know that almost each segment is archived on the site Information Charlottesville, which has recently been updated to look a little bit more like an information outlet. There's a lot to learn, and I'm grateful that I have paid subscribers who fuel my quest to write as much as I can. If you would like to join them, consider a paid subscription through Substack. At $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year, you will support this ongoing work. The $200 a year level comes with perks. What are they? Drop me a line. If you do pay through Substack, Ting will match your initial payment. Ting seeks to help build community, and that's what this is all about. 
Hooray for Ting, and hooray for the quest for number 573, a quest which begins right now. Goodbye.